0: Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. Oh, Calvary, we get to celebrate Thanksgiving. We get to enter into the Christmas season. And again, I know for some, this is a hard season. But I want to encourage you, if this is a hard season for you because you've lost loved ones or you've experienced different kinds of setbacks, please have people pray with you. Let them know, hey, I need some special prayer at this time. I need people to to pray with me, to stand with me, to fight with me. That's really important for us sometimes in this season. This morning, we're going to talk about, uh, I I got an impression several weeks ago about this season as a season of warfare. And I already shared three messages on warfare. And then today, what I want to do is I want to talk about some principles and some practicals. And so my notes are online. Actually, I'm going to start with the the principles and the practicals because um, it was several years ago that the Lord spoke to me. Uh, It was actually 2018. And I shared a message, and I actually included some of those notes here in, uh, in our sermon notes today, that the Lord wants to change our mindset and our mental models about spiritual warfare. And you know, in the Christian life, there's ebb and flow. There's, there's, there's things that happen. Um, and, and we've had that experience in terms of spiritual warfare. We've had seasons where it's been really intense and we'd have seasons when it's let up and then seasons when it was intense. But entering into uh, several years ago, uh, it just became more of a flow than an ebb. It just became a time when we seemed like spiritual warfare was kind of on the front burner. And I was talking with the Lord about that. And then uh, I had this experience with the Lord, this impression, it was like, well, duh, because we're a part of the Joshua generation. And to go in and possess the promises, the plans, the purposes, and the prophetic words that God has given to us as a congregation, that involves warfare, right? There are giants to face, there are battles to fight, there are things to engage in as we go with God. And so the impression that I got from the Lord was that to fulfill the vision that he set before us as a congregation in this season, we're actually going to be in a season of warfare. And some people, I've actually had this question asked of me not too long ago. It was a quite amazing question, actually. They said, does our church believe in deliverance? does our church ever participate in things like uh, setting the captives free? And the reason why that was interesting for me is because there's an ebb and flow for us as a congregation, but I mean, that's a part of the teaching, that's a part of the call on my life as I teach deliverance and the anointing of the Holy Spirit at least three times a year, and I do that in other nations and do that here, and, and the power encounters of the Holy Spirit are continuing all the time. And I see that at ministry times, I see that in our small groups, I see that in the community. And, uh, you know, I've actually uh, prayed when I've been in stores and I've watched somebody begin to rage on others. And I felt like the Lord uh, gave me an assignment to, to rebuke and to bind the spirit of anger that was, that was actually taking over the shopping area. And, you know, I just pray in obedience, Lord Jesus, forgive the person that's, that's raging right now. Would you have mercy on them? And, and in the name of the Lord Jesus, I break the power of the spirit of rage that's trying to come on and defile people in this place. We take authority over that in Jesus. That's just a part of, of who I am and the way that I walk. And so spiritual warfare is something that is not just occasional. It's a part of our reality because we have a champion of our faith, Amen. We, have, we follow the captain of the armies of the host of heaven. And so we're involved with him, our Lord God Almighty. Well, in my notes, if I don't get to them... Because uh, I, I know with your attention span, with Thanksgiving and all the different holiday festivities and things going on, you might not be with me for the full two hours that we normally spend in the message time. And so what I want to do today is I want to hit some of the very practical things. And if we have time, I'll come back and I'll go into the details on the mindset and what God wants us to know and to do in changing our minds. Well, we thank you that you have given us the Son, the Lord Jesus who has broken into our darkness with the power and the victory of your kingdom. But we thank you for the power of Jesus that displaces principalities and powers through the weapon of forgiveness, according to Colossians chapter 2, that was released on the earth at the cross. But we thank you that you're the God of victory Lord, one of the reasons why we can have thanksgiving is because you're the God who helps us to be overcomers. And you say, who is it that overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? And so, Lord, we we recognize that as a congregation, we're we're not just in an, an ebb, but we're in a flow, a season where warfare, and then our culture is experiencing warfare and attack in so many different ways. And so, Lord, we want to be a people who are equipped. We want to be a people who partner with you in what you're doing in terms of victory in spiritual warfare. Lord, we recognize that our identity is to partner with you and join with you. So, Lord, I pray you'll speak to us and you'll guide us this morning. And we pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In terms of spiritual warfare, it's really important to keep the main thing the main thing. We don't make the enemy the focus of our lives. We don't make the enemy the focus of our thoughts or our considerations. I deal with the enemy as, as the Lord leads me to deal with him, but we're to find out what the Lord is doing and we're actually on assignment to bless him. One of my favorite Psalms is uh, Psalm 72. And it says in that scripture, talking, uh, talking messianically about the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, we get to bless him all day long. And I hope that you one of your things that you excel in, in your calling, is paying attention to what Jesus is doing and just blessing him all day long for how he's moving, for how he's working, for how he's speaking, for how he's touching, for how he's working in the earth, because we have a great God who is worthy of our attention, he's worthier of our focus, and it comes. The reason why we're focusing on him and blessing what he's doing is because it comes out of relationship. It's out of relationship. I love him, he loves me, and I want him to have my attention, my attentiveness. Frank Laubach said that as he did Game with Minutes, a, a spiritual practice, he didn't want 15 minutes to pass without his heart being attuned, being aware, being focused on the Lord. And so he began to do spiritual practices to grow in his awareness of God and his love The Lord, when He moves and when He's near, sometimes He'll give us insight into the schemes of the enemy and then still we're not just dealing with the enemy, but we're dealing with what God is saying. If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 4 verse 7, James chapter 4 verse 7, submit yourselves then to God. So it starts by by submitting ourselves to the Lord. We want to live in a submitted relationship, we want to live in this relationship of surrender. And then it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Then the scripture says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Do you hear what the Lord is saying here? Let our focus be on him. When the enemy's around, we get close to the Lord, we run to the Lord because God is near to us and draws near to us as we draw near to him. So we spend most of our time focusing on the Lord and then we deal with the enemy as the Lord directs us. We're focusing on the Lord and what he's doing. Colossians chapter three says, to fix your gaze on Christ. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two and three again, Tells us to consider him and to, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so God is to be our preoccupation, not the enemy. And I've known people that their preoccupation was spiritual warfare and was darkness. And, and was that's not to be ours. Ours is to be as agents of the light that we're focused on the Lord. Now, when God tells us to engage in warfare, how do we do it? Well, the first thing we do I I stand in the gap through repentance. One of my favorite passages in the scripture is Daniel chapter nine. And in Daniel chapter nine, Daniel is given revelation of what God is wanting to do, his purposes, and he stands in identificational repentance for his country. He didn't do the things that he begins to pray and repent of, he wasn't guilty of them, but he said, oh God, have mercy on my people. You see, when you look at our nation, It is easy to list the problems and the faults of our country, isn't it? I mean, we know what those are. But rather than pointing the finger, the scripture actually calls us to the place of standing in the gap and saying, oh Lord God, have mercy on us because we have sinned against you. We don't point the finger out there and say, you know, if it weren't for Washington, if it wasn't for Wall Street, if it wasn't for Capitol Hill, our nation would be in great shape. Our representatives are actually representing who we are as a people, amen? And the people who are elected at the different levels, they're from us, and so what we wanna do, instead of pointing the finger, we wanna be a people who repent. Daniel chapter nine, if you want a great passage on repentance, and then standing in the gap, praying for God's purposes, said, Lord, you've said, it is written, this is what you want to do, and so that moves us to the next thing, is we pray the opposite of what we're seeing so we repent and then we pray and engage in warfare through what i call replacement replacement we pray the opposite of whatever we discern or whatever we see the enemy is doing so again we talked about it in here instead of a spirit of fear we want to pray for faith or second timothy chapter 1 verse 7 for god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind lord would you forgive us that the spirit of fear is running rampant in our culture today. We're an anxious and angry people. And Lord, would you break the power of that, and would you come and give us new power? And would you give us, you know, we want to be a people, so you pray this scripture, you're praying the opposite of it. You're praying in repentance, and you're praying in replacement. And again, I want to say, blessed are the merciful, For they shall obtain mercy. The Bible says in in Matthew chapter 7 verse verse 1, As you judge, so shall you be judged. So if you go around pointing your finger and you're pointing out everybody else's stuff, then you're pointing out where there's brokenness in this city or this place, or, you know, that disaster happened to that city and, and that city really deserved it because they've got this issue or this problem that should just frighten the bejeebers out of you. you. What if God treated you the way that you were judging or the way that I was judging and he measured it back to us with that same standard? You know, when something happens to someplace in a disaster, I don't say, I wonder what they did to deserve that. I wonder how, why they're worse sinners than us here in Houston, Texas. Would that be, that would be inviting a test, a trial. We don't need any more of those things, right? We remember the winter apocalypse. We remember hurricanes. We rem- there are things that we know, right? And so you want people pointing fingers at us and saying, I wonder what the state of Texas did to deserve the winter apocalypse. By the way, we've had 100 year floods, we've had 500 year floods, we've had millennial floods. We've, we've had events that they, can I just tell you, I don't think they know the clock. Their clock's not working. I think they're taking guesses, right? We just need God's mercy, amen? I I don't care what year we're in. We're in the 100-year flood. You know, people told me when when Harvey came, they said, hey, my house didn't flood. And the tax day flood, the Memorial Day flood, the 100-year flood, the 500, it's not gonna flood. May I just say to you, that's crazy. Get flood insurance. Because you might need it. We're a flat city, right? And so if a cloud parks over your house, or over your subdivision, it can flood there, right? We've had some major floods, places that never flooded before a thunderstorm comes through. I digress, but all I'm saying is, listen, think about it. Let's don't point the finger, except to bless and curse not, amen? Let's don't curse, let's don't judge. And by the way, if you have a degree in cursing and judging, I want to get you a new degree. And I want to get you in a a new place of thinking blessing. You know, thinking bless and and do that first. And the apostolic prayers of the New Testament are a great place to start with. Um, You know, like in Philippians chapter 1, when Paul is praying that your love may abound more and more in all knowledge and depth of insight, he prays that powerful prayer. Don't you think it was because people needed to know the love of the Lord and they needed to experience it and some people weren't. So I think they were praying in and praying in to the positive. They were praying in to the replacement and then through righteousness. So we we come to the Lord through repentance. We pray in replacement and then through righteousness. Right living opens up the door for the kingdom of God to invade earth. In Romans chapter 12, verse 21, it says we overcome evil with good so good overcomes evil if you have your Bibles turn to Romans chapter 6 verse 13 Romans chapter 6 verse 13 years ago a friend of ours John Paul Jackson who had ministered here and given several prophetic words on a prophetic sheet he said that the way that we live opens up a gate into this world now think about that the way that you the way that I live opens up a gate in to our lives, our communities, but he said he got a prophetic vision of the way that we lived opened a gate into the whole earth." Romans chapter six, verse 13. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. So we understand the first part, that when a person chooses wickedness or chooses evil or responds in a way that's not a part of the kingdom of God, we recognize that that has impact beyond their lives. And it actually can touch people and it can, it can bring negative impact. And, and John Paul said this revelation that he got was as individuals do that, they're opening gates for the whole planet He said, but think about this. This passage goes on to say to offer your bodies not as instruments of wickedness, but as instruments of righteousness. So as you choose to obey the Lord, as you choose to believe like the Lord wants you to believe and to to choose the things of the kingdom of God and to live into the ways of Jesus Christ, you're actually becoming a door or a gate for righteousness in the whole earth. Your life matters. Your life counts. How you live your life. You know, people say, hey, what I do in, 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 in cl- behind closed doors, what I do in private, it, that only affects me. I'm telling you, this passage says that's untrue. The way I live opens up a gate. Opens up a gate for wickedness or opens up a gate for righteousness. I don't want people to feel judged and shamed. I want you to know how powerful your life is. Jesus is looking for ways to get into this world and one of the ways he does it is through your life and my life. And so let us be gates. Let us be doors of righteousness into this earth. And then we engage in warfare through our intercession. We pray in our authority according to Luke chapter 10, verse 17 to 20. Jesus says, hey, listen, when you're doing the will of God and you're walking with me, I give you power over different structures of the enemy's camp you have power power and authority and we appeal directly to god we appeal to god for his intervention his righteousness his mercy and then again we we, uh, we address the enemy as the lord gives us assignment and task we boldly ask the lord we we pray as the scripture teaches us to boldly bring judgment on the spirits and the principalities and the powers that are behind the evil that's happening and taking place in our world. We boldly do that. That's one of our, we talked about it several weeks ago, is is, this is one of our joys and our glory is to declare, to make declaration of what God has decreed and said. And so we proclaim truth about Christ and his kingdom, and we declare that all the powers and principalities are subject to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they have to bow the knee to our Lord Jesus and to who he is. And I've given you a number of scripture references there. Then, just some practical statements. Again, spend the bulk of your time rejoicing in the Lord, not rebuking the enemy. In Luke chapter 10, when the disciples had been sent out, he sent out 72 of them and he sent them out two by two to the places where he was going to come. And the scripture says in Luke chapter 10 that he gave them power, Luke chapter nine, power and authority. And then in Luke chapter 10, he repeats that and say, I've given you power to set people free and to heal the sick. And I've given you power to proclaim and authority to proclaim the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. When we do that, and Jesus said, I I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The enemy was being displaced by our ground level acts of obedience where we're sharing the good news, we're living into the good news, we're doing the works of the kingdom of God, healing, salvation, encouragement, and, and, and deliverance. As we're doing that, that is pulling the underpinning out from the enemy and he's losing his place in the spiritual places. But he said, don't rejoice in your power over the enemy. He said, rejoice that your name is written in the book of life, that that the Father knows you, amen? That's what we want to rejoice in. And so we're not becoming enamored with warfare, but we want to be a people who live in obedience, humility before the Lord. And so we run to God, as we read from James chapter 4, we run to him as the as the focus of our life, and we just don't duke it out with the enemy. That's not our focus all the time. And remember that right living according to the character and the way of the Lord Jesus Christ is our armor. Think about that. Right living according to the character and the way of Christ is our armor. I have, As you read Ephesians chapter 10, and it tells us to put on the full armor of God, What it's describing there are the characteristics of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? Now, some people actually put on the belt and the breastplate, and they put on the shoes and the helmet. And so that's good to do. But I want you to know who we're putting on is Jesus. We're putting on the character and the way of the Lord Jesus. So think about that. You're not just going through an activity to do something that's your defense. I want you to know Jesus... As you live into who he is, he is your defense, he is your shield, he is your buckler, he is your truth, he is your salvation, he is the one who wields the sword, he is the one who is our faith, and so we're putting on Christ. And then use a functional approach. Whenever you see what the enemy's doing, sometimes people are, uh, what spirit is causing this? Or, what is this all about? Like I told you about the spirit of rage that came on in a store that I was in. Sometimes you know, but sometimes you don't. And just use a functional approach and saying, Whatever is not of the will of God here, I command it to stop in Jesus' name. Now, by the way, when I prayed at that store, I did not use my pastoral uh, projecting voice. There were a lot of people around. And so me and the Lord had a conversation, and I was whispering. And I was whispering, and in the name of Jesus, whatever spirit is causing it, I think it's a spirit of rage. And so I didn't didn't just stand up and say, you know, with my oratory and projecting, you know, I didn't do it out loud. There's no reason to make a scene, right? But I have authority and power, and I want people to be blessed. And the Lord said, hey, let's deal with this thing. And so we did. Deal with it. Uh, In Luke chapter 9, verse 42 and and 43, uh, Jesus has come down from the Mount of Transfiguration and there's a boy that the the disciples, the rest of the disciples, couldn't cast out the afflicting spirit that was tormenting this, this boy. And it says, even while the boy was coming, verse 42, the demon threw him to the ground in convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of our God. So the Lord Jesus saw what happened. He said, stop that. He didn't get the name of the Spirit. He didn't do anything. He just said, stop that. Now, some of the weapons of our warfare is the name of Jesus, the blood. There's a lot of things. The scripture, there, you need to know your weapons. But I want you to know, when I'm doing ministry, you know whatever's causing this sickness, I cut it off in Jesus' name. I say, stop that. Whatever's fueling and feeding this anxiety, Lord, would you show us? But we break its power and its assignment. You just make it stop. So we have authority <clears throat> and we have anointing to deal with whatever the Lord asks us to deal with. And the corollary to that, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador doesn't represent their own will, they represent the will of the one who sent them. So we're not executing treaties and contracts and speaking to governments and telling them what we want them to do. We're listening to the voice of our Christ. We're listening to the voice of our God and then we're speaking and declaring and entering in what he wants us to do. Amen? So it's delegated authority. We don't just go in and make things the way we want them to be. We get in tune with what Jesus is saying and we carry out his will on the earth as he has decreed it in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here in this situation as it is in heaven, no more, no less. Another principle that's a key for warfare or deliverance, there, there's two things that happen a lot of the time. One is crowding out and one is casting out. Everybody turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 3 through 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 6. For we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we're ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So with God helping us, what we're doing is we're closing entry points, we're tearing down strongholds, we're dealing with the hooks of the enemy. In John chapter 14, verse 30, as Jesus is sharing with the disciples in his last conversation before he's going to be arrested and he's going to be crucified, Jesus says, the prince of this world is coming, but he has no hook on me. He has no hook. He has no hold in me. What he's saying there is there's no entry point. There's no open door. There's no place for the enemy to come in. Well, you and I have not attained that level of, of spiritual maturity yet. But what we want to be doing is we want to be growing where there's no strongholds in us. And as the Lord puts his finger on those strongholds, we want to cooperate with him so that those house of thoughts or those entry points or those open doors are closed in the name of Jesus. Early on, when we began doing deliverance ministry and and helping people and setting captives free, I spent hours and hours and would deal with different spiritual authorities or different uh, uh, enemies that were harassing people and were afflicting them. And we don't talk about, by the way, is a person uh, possessed? Why would anybody want to claim a possession like that? What we say is, what's the influence? Is it a high degree of influence or a low degree of influence? Like anger. You've been around people that are angry and they're not sinning, right? And you can't blame it on the enemy. But then you've been around some people that they've given in to anger so much now they're out of control. There's a high degree of influence there. And, it, and we would say that person is being, the enemy's exercising a high degree of control or influence over them. And so what we want to do is, in, in, I spent so much time in this spiritual warfare. And then, then the Lord began to teach me because I would, I would deal with this thing and they would get some freedom. And then they'd be back dealing with the same thing again. And I was asking the Lord about it. And he said, so let's close doors. Let's close the entry points. We do that through penance in a number of different ways. But let's do that and let's take the ground so that we're not going just through the power encounters week after week after week. And so as a pastor, crowding out is a very powerful thing that we're assigned to do. And we want to help people walk in holy living, be able to say yes to what God wants them to say yes to and saying no with the help of God's Holy Spirit, to what God wants them to say no to. And so that's crowding out. But then there are power encounters, and Jesus, when he dealt with the enemy, there was a manifestation, and then Jesus silenced it and stopped it, and then he commanded the enemy to leave. And so that's the way that Jesus did it, and there's a whole bunch of examples that I've given in my notes. And so that's something that we do too. So there are these power encounters, But what I like to do is a both and approach, however the Lord is working on it, and I want to help a person walk in their freedom. The liberty that they've had, we want to take that ground, and we don't want them to be ruled by anger or by lust or by addictions or things anymore, so we're going to walk with them to victory, and there are going to be the times when we exercise authority and power. There's, there's something happening and God says, make it stop and we break its power and we command it to leave in the name of Jesus. Its influence is broken. What it's doing is not there anymore. And so um, I just think it's super important that we remember some of these principles. I think it's super important that we remember our authority in Christ. So some great passages to read are Luke chapter 9, Uh, Luke chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10 talks about the authority and then the disciples were simply saying and doing what they heard Jesus say and they were doing what the Lord told them to do and what they had seen Jesus doing. And again, in Luke chapter 10, it's so powerful. They, They come back from going ahead of Jesus and preparing the way and they said, Lord, even demons obey what we say. And Jesus rejoiced in that, and he celebrated, but he reminded them, hey, don't lose your focus. It's not just power and spiritual power, but it's that you have relationship with the Father. That's what you want to remember to focus on. But he rejoiced with them and celebrated and told them, you know, I could see the enemy being displaced. Spiritual warfare is a part of our assignment as Christians and followers of Jesus. If Jesus was involved in warfare, in the Lord's prayer, if he taught us about warfare, remember he taught us about worship, welcome, and warfare lead us not into temptation, but deliverance from evil. I want us to be a people who walk in the authority and the power that Christ has for us by the gift of the Spirit. And so I want us to fight, and I want us to fight well, and by the way, I want to win. And so I want us to be that kind of people. And, and showing up better and showing up differently is really, really helpful. Well, again, uh, I've given you as a backstory to this message how God wants to change our mindset. Back in 2018, you know, I realized we're more in a flow than in any time of just ebbing or, or things being uh, just a little bit down. It's just, this has been an intense season. And the, you remember what the Lord told Jeremiah when he was complaining of an intense season. You know, the Lord looked at him and said, Jeremiah, I'm so sorry that things are hard. I'm so sorry that things have gotten intense for you. Would you like to rest? Would you like to take a break from what's going on? No, the Lord looked at Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, if you can't keep up with the footmen, what are you going to do when the horses and the cavalry show up? Now that's God's encouraging word for all of us today. <laughs> if you're frustrated and struggling with how things are going now, May the Lord help us, amen? And and let's get equipped, let's let's rise up. Again, 1 John chapter (coughs) five, excuse me, 1 John chapter five, it says, for whoever has, who is it that overcomes the world? You're an overcomer if you believe that Jesus is the son of God. We were actually called to be sons and daughters who overcome in Christ. Whoever, whoever is born of God overcomes the world, Jesus says through his scripture. Um, okay, we're going to shift gears now. We want to do, it, it's still Thanksgiving week for me. I'm in, I'm in Thanksgiving. We did an awesome job today, an awesome opportunity to express our thanks and our love and our surrender and our adoration for Jesus as we start into this Christmas season. Again, in my notes or on my blog or in the email that we've sent, we've got the scripture reading plan for this season. But I want to I ask some volunteers to come up and uh, now everybody doesn't need a, a piece of paper. Long ago, my friend Tim Meeks told me, he said, you know, we don't use paper, we use our phones. And we use electronic devices. And so you might do that instead of paper. But if you need, this is an interactive guide with the instructions to help you do this spiritual exercise we're about to do. And by the way, for you that are online, you can go to my sermon and my notes are already there and you can pull this up It's uh, at the, toward the end of my notes. But uh, if you would like a paper, and it helps you to do that, would you raise your hand, and Jim's gonna come, and Dale's gonna come, and Timothy is standing up and running to the front right now to help do this. Timothy? The other Timothy, the shorter one, Tim. So if not everybody needs one, you can use your phone or your iPad or any electronic device. Brother Walter is gonna give pens, so if anybody needs a pen, uh, you can keep your hand up and Walter come see you now you online i 'm assuming you 're going to figure this out may the Lord give you grace as you print it out or you uh, do it electronically when I see all these hands raised I want to do the evangelistic I see that hand yes praise God I see that. Walter, you might give some of those packets to others. There's different people. If you need a pen, raise up two hands. Let's do it like that. If you don't have a handout, <laughs> right there. Alex, right beside you, he needed a, a paper. Oh, pen. Oh, two hands are the pen. That's right. Two hands are the pen, one hand. If you have a foot, raise it for something. Joshua, what did you need? Oh, just your foot? Okay, great. Thanks. Okay, everybody got one? (laughs) All right, this is fun. Okay, we're going to do an interactive spiritual practice. Everybody got a piece of paper or your phone or your iPad or your Kindle, whatever it is you can take notes on, whatever you can use? Everybody got something? Everybody got a pen? Okay, great. Thank you, helpers. We really appreciate that. Giving thanks is a way to fuel our joy by attaching our brains to the Lord and acknowledging his love for us. In Romans chapter one, Paul, the apostle says that the minds of human beings have become darkened because they refused to express gratitude to their God. The scripture in Psalm 50 verse 23, I've told you this is one of my favorite passages. The Lord spoke to me from this passage years ago. He who sacrifices thank offerings does two things. They honor the Lord and they prepare the way That he might show his salvation. So when we give thanks, we're honoring God and we're opening the door for him to do more. How many of you want more of God's goodness or blessing in your life? What we want to do is live as grateful people because that it recognizes who he is. It honors him and then it opens up the door for him to do more. So I've got a slide up here. You can look at that or you can look at your handout or whatever you want to use. But we're going to practice giving thanks to the Lord and listening to the Lord right now. We're going to write the impression that comes to our mind that we're grateful for. So we're going to start with gratitude and then we're going to write down the impression or the response of God saying back to us what he thinks about it. So we want to express gratitude. This spiritual practice, like I told you in my journal, I have lists and lists and lists. One of the spiritual practices that I do, because it's been ingrained in me as a child and and as an adult, I was was just so blessed by people teaching the spiritual practice of giving thanks, of expressing expressing gratitude. And I have pages and pages and pages, and sometimes I'll just make list after list. My friend Michael Sullivan, back a few months ago, said, I want you to think of one thing you're grateful for. Dear Lord, I am thankful for this. And then he said, I want you to pause, and I want you to ask the Lord, what does he think, what does he feel about what you just shared? What impression does the Lord give you about what you just prayed and what you just said? And then you write that down. Now, your homework assignment after today is, I want you to find someone to express with them your gratitude and share with them what you believe or the impression or what you understood his response to be. We're going to practice this, okay? So you're getting to practice in a safe place in here today. In just a minute, I'm going to go quiet. So for you online, I'm going to go quiet. And then we're going to write down, what are you grateful for? Dear Lord, dear Lord, I am thankful for And then you're gonna ask the Lord, what does he think or feel or say back to you? What's the impression in response to you? So when Michael Sullivan did that, it it was transformational for me. It was transformational. Like a lot of times as people are coming in, I'm thanking the Lord for them and I'm thanking him for this and I'm thanking the Lord for our chance to get together and I'm writing things down or I'm making lists in my head and this taking the time to just... Asked the Lord, what do you think about one has opened up a new line of communication for me? Just very practically this morning, uh, I, I like to greet people and interact with them, and I, I looked over at Will, and Will just caught my attention this morning. And I just said, Lord, thank you for Will. He's always got this smile on his face. He treats me really well, and so I like Will. And I said, the thought I'm still learning so it doesn't come natural Lord what do you think about Will and Will he said he loves to hang out with you and he just loves your energy and your life and he says I'm holding on to you I'm holding on to you Will I pray you'll be blessed today You know, I I don't do that regularly. I'm thanking the Lord for different ones of you and praying, and I'm asking the Lord to bless you, but I don't always stop and ask, Lord, what do you think about this situation or this thing that I'm grateful for? Or my family? What do you think about my family? So we're going to practice, amen? So that's what wants to do that right now. I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna give us five minutes where I'm not saying anything, I think they're gonna probably turn on some music because uh, to to turn the distractions down a little bit. Oh, I'll tell you what, let's don't do that. Let's just, just, we're just gonna be quiet. Now, five minutes for some of us is a really long time. I understand that, it's okay. Now, I'm asking you to do both of these things. Write a gratitude and then ask the Lord, what does he think, feel about this, and then write down your impression. If you don't get a response from the Lord, That's okay. Just thank you, Lord, that you're here with us. And would you help me to grow in my capacity to receive from you? I want to grow in understanding how you communicate to me. So you can pray it like that, but don't leave here going, wow, Pastor Jeff said I should just write this and I'm going to get this. Don't leave here under judgment or condemnation, amen? But we're practicing. But some of you, when we start doing this, you're just going to start writing and writing. And then when I call time in five minutes, you're going to go, Pastor Jeff didn't give me enough time. And guess what? You get to finish on your own time, right? You can either stay here when I dismiss the service and continue, or you can do this at home. But I want you to do both steps. So is everybody tracking with me? They're up on the screen. They're in your handout. They're on your mobile device or your electronic device. There they are, okay? Lord, we thank you for your presence and for spiritual practices that help us. Lord, we love learning. And we love growing in our capacity to connect with you and to receive from you. Lord, would you help us? Would you bring something to mind that is good in our life or that we're grateful for? And Lord, would you help us with your response? Lord, would you grant to us impressions or knowings or scriptures or thoughts that will help us? And we pray this, In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.